Chapter 20 Service Brings Joy In Sanskrit, service is called Seva. Adding a spiritual element to our Seva can make it more fulfilling. The service you do for others is the rent you pay for your room here on earth. Muhammad Ali The hospital was noisy. Doctors in white coats walked around with a sense of confidence, and rightly so. Their actions could mean the difference between life and death, between grieving or happy homes, between dreams achieved or buried for good. They had the power to make a difference. Harry rushed to the reception. How can I help? The receptionist smiled at Harry, immune to the urgency in his manner. She did a double take when she saw me, interested in my unusual apparel. We need the room number for Lilitha, Harry said, but was interrupted by the receptionist answering the phone. Just a moment, sir, hospital, how can I help you? The receptionist had tuned out to answer her phone. Harry groaned, clenched his teeth, tapped his fingers on the counter and gave the receptionist a deadly stare. He spoke louder, I need the room number for Lolita. The receptionist took no notice of Harry's demeanor. She swiveled her chair slightly and twirled the winding cord of the phone around her finger. A year. Heart rate is stable, pyrexia. Emesis since arrival, a young doctor said to an older one, as he followed him. The older doctor looked important and commanded the respect of ten, who seemed like students following him. They were captivated by every word he spoke. Harry overheard his surname and barged into the intimate circle of medical students with their tutor. Did you say a year? Harry asked the student. The student looked at his tutor, unsure of how to reply. We cannot reveal any confidential patient information to you, sir, the student said cautiously. I am Harry Ayer, husband of Lolita Ayer. When you said Ayer, did you mean her? Lolita Ayer? Where is she? Harry said, ignoring the student and directing his question at their senior. Mr. Ayer? The tutor said. Hello, my name is Dr. Harshil Shah, we spoke on the phone earlier. Harry shook the doctor's hand with both of his. Where is Lolita? What is going on? He said, still holding the doctor's hand, knowing well that Dr. Shah was his lifeline to his wife. Please follow me, sir. We are just running some tests, Dr. Shah replied. He had not taken much notice of me yet. He sped away up some stairs, getting handed medical charts by nurses wearing white nursing caps along the way. Harry chased the doctor. The medical students chased Harry excited as if they were now seeing something of value, and I chased the whole group knowing that I had to be there for my friend. Harry and I were both stationed in the first floor waiting area by the doctor who said we may have to wait for some time before we could see Lilithar. He confirmed that she was on this floor and then disappeared just as fast with his band of trainees. We did not have much idea of what was going on. Harry closed his eyes and put his hands together. It looked as though he was praying, but I was not sure. His face was solemn. One after another, the doctors were calling in people for either an appointment or to see their loved ones. It was only after thirty minutes had passed that Dr. Shah called for Harry. Harry yeah, Lilita is now well enough to see you. What was the problem? Harry said whilst walking over to him. Will she be okay? Where is she? He went down the corridor into a room where his wife was. As I sat in the waiting area, fearing the worst, I looked around, watching the doctors interacting with their patients, with love and compassion, and I thought about the instinct that drives a spiritualist to act. 
it is one of sewa or selfless service. My mind went back in time to the start of February, to the hospital that our community runs on Mirat Road, Mumbai, and the values that the doctors working there have been inspired by. Many of them were stationed in the sacred land of Basanar, giving their time, skills and hearts to serve those who needed it the most in their annual free dental and eye camp. I remembered the stories one of my friends from London, Winiranaga, a dental student himself at the time, told me about the camp. Devotion at the dental camp, the land of Basanar, two hours drive south of New Delhi, is sacred to those who practice bhakti yoga. It is home to people who have been brought up to make spirituality their life's focus, to imbibe the qualities of selflessness and loving service. However, these very people do not have the best healthcare systems. Many of them need glasses as they cannot see, or need dental treatment as they cannot eat. The Busanar Dental and Eye Camp provides relief for thousands of villagers in the area at least once a year, and when they had come to help out at the dental camp. The dental camp turns an ashram building a few minutes walk from the famous Shriji temple into a pop-up dental clinic for the week. Weeks before the camp, a few of the volunteers go around to the neighboring villages, advertising the opportunity the villagers have to improve their health. The camp begins at 8 in the morning, but by 4 a.m., there is already a queue of hundreds waiting for their chance to get their problems addressed. As the camp starts, a few dentists do a brief assessment of patients, giving them a signed sheet of the treatment they need. Patients are sent to departments accordingly. Some need fillings, others need teeth extracted and a few need a full set of upper and lower dentures. When he told me, I was helping in the area that deals with making these dentures for elderly patients. After begging and convincing my professors in London, I had been given permission to take some time out from my course to attend the camp. Up until this point, I had never even made a denture, let alone the 40 we were about to make in a week. I remember thinking that I wanted to match these colleagues, not just in the skill they had in dentistry, but the love they displayed to these materially poverty-stricken people who could give them nothing, but their heartfelt blessings. I was guided by the qualified dentists on all the procedures, and was slightly embarrassed that I did not know the basic terms they were explaining. After a few practice sessions, I decided that I wanted to complete a set of dentures myself for a patient, working on all the stages from start to finish. That was when I met Nangu, when I continued. Nangu was a 72-year-old woman born and brought up in Belsana. She had never left the village, and lived a simple life tending to her cows and farm. Whenever she came to me she wore a modest purple sari, using a part of it to cover her head, and a tattered orange sweater. She lived in poverty, in a simple thatched house, which had few possessions, but it was obvious that she possessed a deeper wealth within her in the form of love for her goddess Srimati Radharani. I am a dental student from London, I said to her in my broken Hindi. I am here to make you a set of dentures. Would you like that? She nodded and spoke about her problems in having to eat without any teeth. You could see the appreciation in her eyes and what having teeth would mean to her. She was radiant and showered me with her grandmotherly love. Because we had lab technicians on site, a process that would normally take months was shortened to just three days. On the third day, it was time to hand the dentures over to Nangu. As she walked back into the room, you could feel the anticipation within her. It was like a child excited to open their presents at Christmas or Diwali. 
I tried the upper denture in her mouth first and then the lower. I was heartbroken at what I saw. Her lower teeth were in front of her upper teeth. What shall I do? I pestered one of the other senior dentists who was more experienced than I. She is posturing forward. You need to let her get used to it, he said calmly whilst treating his own patient. After years of not having teeth, Nangu had got used to pushing her lower jaw forward to eat, but that could be corrected by helping her practice putting it in the right place. Thank God, I thought. Although this was volunteering and service, and there was no monetary pressure involved, I still felt great commitment to make sure Nangu got a good set of teeth. All I could think was, this woman is like my very own grandmother. After some time, her lower jaw fell into place and the dentures came together, Winnie said. I held her hand to help her get up from the garden chair she was sitting on. Again, this was a makeshift dental clinic. I slowly helped her get to a mirror that was hanging in the open courtyard next to the room. I told her to close her eyes as we walked. As she stood in front of the mirror, I told her to open them. For the first time in fifteen years she was seeing shiny new teeth. She tapped her teeth together, cautiously trying to get used to her bite. Tears were streaming down her face as she moved closer to the mirror, wiping away some of the dust that covered it. I could not help but cry too. She sat on the stairs next to the mirror and I squatted down next to her. She stroked my hair with affection and I folded my hands to receive her blessings. What does this mean to you? I asked her. It means that I can eat and chew properly. It means that my stomach can be filled at night, she said as she smiled and her eyes glistened. It was a heart-touching moment for me, to know that my service had added some value to her life. Sewa, so what is driving Winnie to serve? What is driving all the people who apply spirituality in their life to help others? When we connect to ourselves and with the divine, our understanding, values and paradigms transform. When we practice spirituality sincerely, we obtain a higher perspective of life. We understand that living for ourselves has the potential to satisfy the mind and senses, but not the deep core of our hearts. When we live superficial lives, dedicated to serving ourselves, we are like surfers, riding the waves, but not seeing what is beneath them. We may satisfy our own needs and concerns by doing so, but we will never be truly fulfilled. However, when we practice spirituality, we become like divers, we submerge ourselves underneath the turbulent waves to find a pleasure much deeper, beyond hedonistic ideals. That profound joy is only possible when one feels love to serve others. And how is that love maintained? Through being connected to God through spirituality. Love for God is composed of three things, right action, we must express our love through the correct action. We must behave and act in a way that is in line with spiritual principles. Right intention, our intentions must be selfless. When we want something for ourselves in return for our service, such as prestige or money, our intentions become tainted. Just as distilling water multiple times makes it cleaner, continuously checking our intentions makes them purer. Right mood, we must serve in a way that is favorable for our growth. Serving because we have to or because it's the right thing to do is good, but it's not the same as serving from the depths of our hearts. When that love is within our hearts, it erupts and naturally wants to be given to others. I once heard a saint cite the example of a bumblebee. Once a bumblebee was flying and saw an open jar of honey. Out of excitement, 
it decided to dive into the jar, completely covering itself with the delicious, sticky liquid. As it flew out of the jar, it rushed to tell all the other bumblebees what had happened, and in the process, a few drops of honey started flying out of its mouth at all the other bees. For all its friends, this was incredible. They were getting honey just because of the enthusiasm and actions of that one bee. Similarly, when we have deep love for God, it becomes natural for us to want to share that with everyone. That is because a person connected to God has a compassionate and empathetic heart. The true symptom of someone who is experiencing genuine love for God is that they experience compassion and the pain of the suffering that people go through in this world, the saints said. Likewise, Jesus Christ said in the Bible, The highest commandment is to love thy God with all thy soul and all thy might and all thy heart. He then said that because of following the highest commandment of loving God we begin to love thy neighbor as thyself. This means when we become spiritually minded and experience the love of God, we feel compassion for the pain of others. In Sanskrit it is called Parad Ukhad Ukhi, one who feels pain in the pain of others. In the modern world, people sometimes become Parad Ukhasukhi, where they take pleasure in seeing the pain of others. However, true compassion stems from spirituality. I could understand the pain that Harry was feeling, but I was not at the level of Parad Ukhad Ukhi, one who truly feels the pain others are going through. Still, I endeavored to comfort him and give him words of solace all through this stressful time. Several tense minutes passed as I sat in the waiting area. I was thinking about the worst that could happen and prayed that my mind's conjecture be incorrect. Mr. Das, Mr. Gorgopal Das, Dr. Shah said, Harry and Lalitha would like to see you in their room. I gulped, and wrapped my brown cotton shawl around myself, either to protect me from the heavy air conditioning or subconsciously from the news I was about to hear. I walked down the gloomy corridor to room, 116, knocked on the door and turned its handle slowly. Lolita was lying down on the bed and Harry was by her side, holding her hand whilst sitting on a small stool. The nurse in the room excused herself so that they could share their news. I stood awkwardly in front of them. We have some news to share with you, Harry said. I was glad I was in a hospital, because my heart was pumping blood around my body faster than I could think. But it's not what you think. He let Lilita take over. Harry and I have been trying for a child for a long time, and today I got the news that the intense morning sickness I was suffering from is actually a good sign. Harry and I are expecting a child. I breathed a huge sigh of relief and joined Harry, his mother and Lilitha, congratulating them profusely, as they smiled and laughed uncontrollably. The hospital, which had seemed dark and dreary just moments ago, a place of death and disease, was now transformed into a place which was offering new life. The flavor of the joy I tasted in the hospital room that day was out of this world. It was unmatchable, second, perhaps, only to one other, Lalita's incredible samba. Summary, in Sanskrit, service is called sewa. Adding a spiritual element to our sewa can make it more fulfilling. Based on our connection to God, we utilize our skills and potential to serve others. We learned about winning at the Bosana dental camp. From spiritual practice comes sewa, the true symptom of someone who is experiencing genuine love for God is that they experience compassion and pain for the suffering that people go through in this world. 
we have to do the right action, with the right intention and in the right mood for it to be classed as spiritual.